0: If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. The Whistler, The Lost Episodes continues as we listen to some newly discovered episodes of The Whistler. From April 7th, 1955, here is Search for an Unknown.
1: The Whistler Presented by the United States Air Forces in Europe.
2: I am the Whistler, and I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales, hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Tonight transcribed, it's the Whistler's strange story... Search for an unknown. The tall, dark-haired man and his companion moved away from the bar, crossed the cocktail lounge, and stopped before the huge windows to gaze out over the city. As they stood there, watching the flickering lights across San Francisco Bay, the girl unconsciously began toying with the shiny new wedding band on her finger. And then as the man raised his glass to drink, she turned and looked up to him.
1: What are you thinking about, Frank? Oh, the guy over there, across the bay, waiting in the death cell.
0: What What time is it?
1: He's got 10 minutes to go.
3: He, he deserves to die.:
1: Yeah, but if I'd played this case smart, things might have turned out better. Sometimes I wish I'd never been mixed up in it at all. Maybe I ought to give it up quit making like a private eye. Come on, Julie. Let's go
3: home. All right. You'll see, Frank. In a few minutes, when the execution's over, you're going to forget the whole thing. Sure.
2: Sure, I'll forget it. As Frank Ferguson and his bride of 24 hours moved across the cocktail lounge toward the elevators... He wondered if he could forget the story at all. Of course, he'd only played a small part in it. Actually, it was Duncan McKay's story. Duncan McKay, head of the largest gambling syndicate west of the Rockies. And Ferguson's thoughts went back to the night it all began. The night months ago, when he arrived at McKay's heavily guarded estate in San Mateo, had been ushered into the billiard room by Jim Slade, McKay's bodyguard.
3: Mr. McKay?
4: Yeah, Slade, what is it? Oh,
1: come in, come in. Nice shot. So you're Ferguson, huh? Yeah, I'm Ferguson. You know, you don't look like... I don't look like a private eye. Yeah, that's what they keep telling me. Why'd you send for me, McKay?
4: they told me that you're a pretty smart boy.
1: Let's get to the point, huh? Sure,
4: The point, Ferguson, is that somebody is up to kill
1: me. (laughs) That's news. All right,
4: I've been threatened before. This time, it's a little different. I received a letter a few days ago, a
1: letter threatening my life. So why worry? You got a nice setup here. You can hide behind your steel fence and those guards. There isn't a chance of anybody getting close enough to you to do any damage. What are you so nervous about? I'm not nervous, Ferguson, unless
4: I'm amused. My curiosity's been aroused. This whole thing intrigues me. I don't get it. Yeah, just a second.
1: Here. Yesterday
4: afternoon's paper. On page two. There.
1: Pictures and everything. Hmm. So a couple of citizens in Frisco received threatening letters. Same as yours? The same. Julie Wilson, Albert Dobbs, hat check girl, and a hardware clerk.
4: Friends of yours? Never saw him before in my life.
1: She's a good looking, Dame.
4: According to the paper, the Wilson girl doesn't know Dobbs, and he's never heard of her. So there it is, Ferguson. Three strangers. We each got a letter threatening us with death. Though we don't know why. There must be some connection. That's why I hired you, Ferguson. I want you to find out what that link is. What ties me up with a hat-check girl and a guy who sells nuts and bolts in some crummy
1: hardware store? You, uh, resent the company, McKay? Is that what bothers you?
4: At some point in our lives, our
1: paths must have crossed. Somewhere, when... Somewhere along the road, the three of you kicked somebody in the teeth. Now there's somebody who wants to introduce you to an embalmer the hard way. I want you to
4: find out all there is to know about the Wilson Dame and this guy Albert Dobbs. Where they're from, what they've done, who they know, everything. I want a complete report on
1: both of them. All right, McKay. See you around. Oh, and don't worry. I'll take care of everything. <laughs>
2: You smile as Ferguson leaves, don't you, McKay? Confident that once he finds out all there is to know about Julie Wilson and Albert Dobbs, once the link is established between the three of you, that you'll know who is threatening your life, and then you'll take care of everything. In the days that follow, you wait anxiously for some word from Ferguson, and then finally one evening, he phones.
1: Thought you better know, McKay. Somebody else received one of those letters guy called Bravelli Gino Bravelli. Know him?
4: Bravelli? No, I never heard of him. But you put him on the list, along with Julie Wilson and that Dobbs guy. Talk to him.
1: Okay, but Bravelli won't answer. Why not? He uh met with an accident. He's on a slab at the morgue. <laughs>
2: Just a minute, The Whistler will continue tonight's story. And now, back to The Whistler. You don't like to admit it, do you, McKay? but the news is more than a little disturbing. The news that the killer has claimed his first victim. A man named bravelli is dead. A man who, along with Julie Wilson and Albert Dobbs, received a threatening letter, similar to the one that was sent to you. But the killer will never reach you, will it? Not as long as you remain within the protective walls of your estate, with Jim Slade, your bodyguard, close by your side. You're going to play it safe and... Wait until you find the link, the tie between you, Julie Wilson, and Albert Dobbs, and then you'll go after the killer yourself. As you pace the floor of your library, a thousand questions flash through your mind. Questions you waste little time asking when Ferguson finally That's arrives. That's I said,
1: McKay. A window washer. Bravelli, a window washer. Yeah, fell out of a twenty-story window late yesterday afternoon. It looked like an accident. That is until the letter came around to his boarding house this morning. The landlady spotted it, the way it was addressed, you know. Called the cop. Wait a minute, wait
4: a minute. Bravelli was already dead when the letter arrived?
1: Yeah. The letter was postmarked yesterday at 5 p.m. Bravelli took the dive around 3. But why mail a letter to a man after you've already killed him? Maybe the killer saw an opportunity to knock off Bravelli ahead of schedule and took it. That's one way of looking at it. Uh huh. There's another? Yeah. Here's what I think happened. The killer hears about a guy falling out of a building. This gives him an idea. He decides to make you sweat a little, so he writes the letter. Get the picture? Yeah. Yeah, I get the picture now. All right, what'd you find out about the
4: others? The Wilson girl, Dobbs.
1: Oh, yeah. A ten-page report on Julie Wilson. Or a hat-checked girl faces life. She's a sweet kid, McKay. Is she, Ferguson.
4: How about this uh, hardware clerk, this Albert Dobbs? Why'd you dig
1: up on him? I didn't. He's disappeared. Disappeared? Went around to his hotel this afternoon. Clerk told me he packed up and left. Address unknown. Oh, well, that's fine. That's great. I don't get excited. I got a couple of ideas I'm going to check on as soon as I get back to town. I'll find him, McKay.
4: Say that you do. And you call me the minute you line up anything. Sure. Sure.
2: It's almost four in the morning when you finally set aside the report on Julie Wilson. You've been over it again and again, but it has revealed absolutely nothing, not the slightest clue, not a single link to connect your life with that of the girl. But there's still Albert Dobbs, the hardware clerk, isn't there, McKay? Yes, perhaps in his story you'll find the missing pieces of the puzzle. The days drag on. You wait impatiently for Ferguson to call, but he doesn't. Then one morning, Slade interrupts you at breakfast. Uh Huh? Hell, what is it, Slade?
3: It's about Ferguson, Mr. McKay.
4: Oh, what about it?
3: He's been checking up on you. What? That's right. Been going around town asking a lot of questions. They're all about you.
4: I don't like that, Slade. I don't like that at all. I'm not paying him to pry into my... Wait a minute. How'd you find
3: out? I've had one of the boys tailing him for a week.
4: Why, Slayton?
3: I thought it would be a good idea. Now, what else have you found out? For one thing, he took a plane to L.A. this morning. The Wilson girl has moved into his apartment while he's gone. He's up to something, Mr. McKay. Maybe she's in it with him.
4: You never have trusted Ferguson, have you, Slade?
3: No. Why hasn't he told you he's found Albert Dobbs? He what? Yeah. That's something else I found out. My boy tailed him two days in a row to a crummy little hotel on Mission Street. Only it wasn't until a couple of hours ago he found out who Ferguson was seeing there. Dobbs? Dobbs. Ferguson was talking to the little guy in the lobby. Oh, we gotta get moving, Slade. Ferguson's a smart operator. If he
4: can fit this puzzle together before I do, he'll have me right behind the eight ball.
3: Yeah. He gets a story from the girl, from Dobbs, checks on your background, and he's in. He can cause you plenty of trouble and plenty of money, too. That
4: may not be what he's got in mind, but I'm not going to take any chances. From now on, I'm going to handle things my way. Tonight, we're going to drop around to Ferguson's apartment and have a nice long talk with Julie Wilson.
0: But I tell you, I don't know anything about it. You've got to believe me, Mr. McKinney. Come on,
4: sister. Take it easy, Slade. You might hurt the pretty lady.
0: Please, please. I told you all I know. Now leave me alone.
4: What did you tell Ferguson? What did you tell him that he forgot to include in his report?
0: Really, I don't know what you mean. Now
4: look, it's getting late. My patience is... Well, hello, Ferguson. You, uh, got back from L.A. in a hurry.
1: What's the idea, McKay? We, uh, just dropped around to have a friendly chat. Look, McKay, I don't like guys to call on my girl unless she invites them. Your girl? That's what I said. I don't get you at all,
4: Ferguson. When I showed you her picture on the paper, you didn't know her. I didn't then. This
1: happened kind of quick between us. Uh Oh. I uh I see. I don't think you do, McKay. But whether you do or don't, you can take a powder now and take your ape with you.
3: Listen, Ferguson, I. Easy,
1: Slade. Easy. Don't annoy
4: Mr. Ferguson. His trigger finger's nervous. He might do something rash. Come on. We'll see you around, Ferguson. Remember, I still want to talk to you.
2: A quarter of an hour later, you park your car on Lower Mission Street and wait while Slade hurries into a small, dimly lit hotel. A few minutes, and he's back.
3: Dobbs is registered under the name of Simpson. Clerk said he hadn't come in yet. You sure? It cost me five bucks, I'm sure. All right. We'll wait.
4: Give me a cigarette, Slade.
3: I'm out. Sure. Uh, It's after two o'clock. Maybe he skipped again. Maybe.
4: We'll just wait a little while longer. He was... What's wrong? Up ahead there. I just turned the corner. Coming this way.
3: Could be.
2: Wait till he walks by.
3: Simpson! Uh, yeah, yes? like to talk to you. Will you. You're police. No, no, we're not the police. Well, I'm
2: gonna... now take it
3: easy, Dobbs. We're not going to hurt you. No,
2: no, no, wait, wait. You... Relax.
3: You... Now, come on.
4: Hello, Dobbs.
3: Who.
2: Who are you?
4: A handy guy for you to know. If you want a level with it.
2: Well, I don't understand. But...
4: We'll talk about it on the way. Where are we going? Out of my place, in San Mateo. A nice, quiet, very safe place for both of us, dogs.
2: Both of us? I think it'd
4: be a good idea for us to have a little talk. Maybe we can add up a few things and find out who's been trying to kill us.
3: Alice? You mean
4: you two? Yeah. We're both on the same boat. Now get in, Dobbs. We're wasting time. Ah! Sure, you won't have a drink, Mr.
5: Dobbs. No, no, thank you. All right.
4: Kill you, Dobbs. Yeah.
2: Huh? McKay, just no idea at all.
4: All right, suppose you start in from the a... all there is to know about Albert Dobbs. Where you're from, where you've been, what you've done. Oh, well, you know, everything.
5: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, I see.
4: Okay, go ahead.
2: <clears throat> well, I was born in
4: 1898. 1898, huh? Hey, you might as well pull up a chair, Slade. It's going to take a long time. But I got a hunch this is going to be worth it.
2: And now, back to The Whistler. It's almost dawn now, and you're tired, aren't you, McKay? You lean back wearily in your chair and close your eyes. Listen to the voice of Albert Dobbs as it groans on and on. Names, dates, places. And more names and dates and places. Not a one stirred a single spark in your memory. But the story of Albert Dobbs isn't over yet, is it? Somewhere your paths must have crossed. Somewhere you met the one person who now wants to kill you both. I went back to Los Angeles
4: then. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. When was this again? Well, now, let me
2: think 19...
4: 1929.
2: All right, all right. 1929, L.A. Where did you live? On uh, 54th Street, near Figueroa. Where? Uh, 54th Street. I had a small flat near the... And I... Uh... What's the matter, Mr. McKay? Have I said something? <laughs> In an instant, your thoughts raced back through the years. Back to that unfortunate little affair on 54th Street in Los Angeles. Over 25 years ago, wasn't it, McKay? You were just one of Galetti's strong-arm boys then, selling protection to small shopkeepers. And that night, your methods of persuasion proved fatal to a man who ran a grocery store. You're confident now that you're on the right track at last. Dobbs the frightened little man who sits facing you across the desk, has established the link. The rest of his story will supply information you've been looking for. But uh, you don't want your bodyguard, Slade, around to, um, over here. Uh, Slade.
3: Yeah, Miss McKay.
2: Why don't you turn in, huh?
4: Get some sleep?
3: Oh, that's all right.
4: I don't think I can... You better turn in,
3: Slade. Sure. You're the boss.
4: All right, Dobbs. About 54th Street in L.A. Now, suppose you took... Yeah. Hello.
1: McKay, this is Ferguson.
4: Well, what do you want?
1: Look, McKay, you can thank Julie for this call. She talked me into it. I was all in favor of letting you sweat. What are you talking about? Till I made that trip to L.A., I wasn't sure. I am now. I got your man. guy was trying to kill you. As soon as I hang up, I'm calling the police. Wait
4: a minute. You know who's...
1: Yeah. A guy named Maxwell died in L.A. His brother's been after you for a long time, McKay. But with all that protection you had, he couldn't get close to you. So he figured out a way to get you to come after him. What? The letter he sent you. Here's people you'd never heard of. Your curiosity would be aroused. The letter he sent to Julie was a blind. But the one he sent to himself was going to pay off to himself. He'll kill you the first time he gets you alone, McKay. So I thought I ought to warn you. Oh, his real name is Albert Maxwell, but we know him as Albert Dobbs.
4: But, Dobbs. Dobbs
1: That's is... right, McKay. Now,
4: no, wait a minute. Wait a minute, you've got me wrong. I, I... Slade!
5: Slade!
1: With us again next week when once again the United States Air Forces in Europe present The Whistler. (whistles) AFN production by Army PFC Ron Johnson. This is Air Force Sergeant Tom Alford speaking.
0: Welcome back. Well, what a clever uh, non-detective mystery. I really admire this episode so much about it. Just how well and how tightly plotted it is. It starts with a great hook. Who is the man waiting to die? And what happened? And then we switch to uh, following our technical protagonist uh, through the story. And while the typical Whistler uh, protagonist is somebody who is about to step into the dark or step deeper into the dark, Our guy has, a long time ago, been walking in the dark, and that's part of the reason why this uh, mystery is such a mystery. It's not because he couldn't imagine who would want to kill him or why, it's just that there are so many people and so many different motives, and he doesn't.